Well, friends, I probably don't have to tell you this, but the pressure is on. Uh, the number of days left to purchase your gifts, even with two-day shipping, uh, two-day shipping, right? It's getting smaller and smaller. And I know, I know that for many families, this potentially creates a certain level of stress and anxiety, right? It is the, it is the final push towards the celebration of Christmas. Uh, we have gifts to wrap, final cards to send out, final details about the trip to see family, perhaps the last cookies to bake or the teacher gifts to give. We are on full tilt towards Christmas. And friends, the anticipation is growing. Even here at Holy Cross, as more and more decorations get placed, as more and more of the Advent wreath is lit, as more and more fine arts rehearsals happen, we are growing with an anticipation for the coming of Christ, both as a babe in Bethlehem, but also as King and Lord to a new heaven and a new earth. And as we have said in weeks past, Advent is a series, a season of preparation, a preparation not only for the external things, but really for internal things. It is a season tailor-made for preparing our hearts and our minds for that coming of Christ. Now, I want to, I want to pause uh, for just a second because someone last week asked me a really good question uh, that I think is worth addressing this morning. Essentially, they were asking if all of the external things, because Pastor, you've been talking about internal things, if, if all of the external things uh, are bad. Uh, so, so don't hear what I'm not saying. Uh, no. They're not bad at all, right? You should decorate your house. You can put socks by your fireplace, right? You can give gifts and receive gifts. You can make all the goodies you want. I think that actually is a very good thing. Uh, with the caveat that those things, the giving and the receiving of gifts, the decorating of our homes, the baking of goodies, and the provision that that is, that all of those things should aid our hearts in the preparation for the coming of Christ. Those external things should start to turn our heart and our spirit towards the one who is the greatest gift, the one who would take on flesh and make his dwelling among us, his, his wayward and his sinful children, so that, so that through that sinless life, you and I would be gifted life to eternity. And so friends, where have we been over the last two weeks? Well, we're, we're allowing the prophet Isaiah to speak, the prophet of preparation, right? Helping the people of Israel and, and perhaps us as well, a people who are deaf and blind to the work and the word of God, in order that we might prepare for the coming of the Messiah. And as mentioned before, sometimes Sometimes Isaiah's words of preparation can be quite challenging, and other times the words of Isaiah can be quite comforting, but all of it, whether challenge or comfort, is designed to help our hearts and our spirits be ready to receive the one who, as Isaiah says, will bring justice to the nations and comfort to his people. And so Isaiah's instruction for us has been to prepare. Uh, in week number one, it was to say those incredibly difficult, hard words to pronounce. Do you remember what they were? Uh, 
help me. <laughs> but when we do, when we say it, Isaiah 64.4 reminds us that since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. In other words, we have a God who delights in helping and working on behalf of his children. And last week, last week Isaiah reminded us that God desires to comfort his children as he draws us into his arms for a lasting embrace, right? To draw us into his arms for a hug with no tapping, right? Isaiah 40 says, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and he carries them close to his heart. You know, preparation for the coming of Christ is to sit in the embrace of our Father, surrendering to the beat of his heart and the tempo of his spirit. Before, friends, we dive into the text, which we heard Andrew read just minutes ago, I feel it's appropriate uh, this morning to just be honest for a quick second. And what I'm about to say for some in this room uh, may hinge on blasphemy. So I know Scott's recording this, but just, just, just hear me out for a minute. I, I totally understand that West Michigan has beautiful sunsets. They, they, are, they are beautiful as the sun sets over the lake and the colors, like the colors of a West Michigan sunset are, I don't know, in some, in some way that is mysterious and miraculous to me, those colors, it seems to me, when the sun is setting over the lake, the, the, the colors seem more, I don't know, more pure or more full, right? The sunsets here are beautiful. But I'm a sunrise guy. And I, and I get it, right? I mean, that's the east side of the state, right? Those are east siders. I, I get it. I'm, I'm a sunrise guy. I, I love a sunrise. The anticipation and the hope of what's going to come as the light cracks open the darkness, right? As, as morning invades the oppression of night, as warmth from that light blankets the cold. Like, I love a sunrise, and in many ways, a sunrise for me is refreshing, right? It gives new strength and new energy. I crave a sunrise like most Michiganders crave summer after a really long winter, right? There is there's something beautifully energizing, refreshing even, about light after a prolonged darkness. And friends, it's, it's to that kind of refreshment that Isaiah turns his attention in Isaiah chapter 61. So let's go there together. You will need a Bible this morning, hopefully the one that you brought from your own home. And let's go to Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah chapter 61, we're gonna start right at verse one. So Isaiah 61 verse one, as you do, of course, allow me to give you a little bit of context because truthfully, you can't read Isaiah 61 unless you can also read Isaiah chapter 60. Uh, but we ain't got time for that. So I'm, I'm gonna try to boil down Isaiah 60 for us uh, this morning. So, so time and time again, Isaiah warns Israel that they shouldn't continue to give their affection away to other gods or that they shouldn't give themselves over to their carnal pleasure. He warns that if God's people continue to live in disobedience to his law, then God would cast the people of Israel into exile. 
Israel would be sent in to, quote, a new kind of Egypt. And the promised land, that land given to Abraham and to his descendants, it would be stripped away from Israel. Israel would no longer be a light to the nations around them. In fact, they would enter what Isaiah describes as a shroud of darkness. And yet, as I mentioned last week, these challenging words of Isaiah are rarely told without hope. A picture, at least, of God's character, his his steadfast love and his mercy for his children. And so, in, in chapter 60, Isaiah speaks these words of hope. He says, arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples, but the Lord will rise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you. Uh, In other words, after the long night, the morning is coming. After a prolonged season of darkness, there is light. And it is a light meant for God's people. Now, the remainder of chapter 60 is this beautiful kind of poetic imagery of a city that's being rebuilt even as that light which dawns there early in chapter 60, even as that light brings hope and refreshment to God's people. You know, some of us, some of us in this room have had some fairly dark seasons lately. It's like Mr. Tumnus says in C.S. Lewis's The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Mr. Tumnus says, you know, it's, uh, it's winter in Narnia, and it has been for so ever long, always winter, and never Christmas. Lots of us in this room have had long, dark seasons Seasons that feel like winter and never Christmas. I've sat with several of you as you've walked that slow, painful process of watching a parent's memory slowly fade away. When that parent whose eyes used to light up at your presence no longer recognizes your face. Pastor Adam and I have been on the journey with some of you out of the painful process of divorce. We've been present and counseled some of you as you've addressed the addictions of your parents or your spouse or your children. And friends, these are only the stories that we know. And there are many of us experiencing our own winter and never Christmas. And sometimes those moments, right, those moments that we feel, they feel insignificant or small in comparison to other people's experience. Maybe you're just overrun by the news of wars and the rumors of war. Or maybe it's a festering comment of hurt made by a classmate at a lunch table or in the comments section of your Instagram feed. 
Or maybe the darkness that you're feeling just accompanies the long gray of a Michigan winter. Many of us feel like it's winter and never Christmas. There are lots of us in the room who are feeling a long, dark season. And so, like Israel then, the promise of light, a light that will shine upon us is good news indeed. News that the darkness will give way to light, that winter will actually give way to Christmas. Yes, in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the thrill of hope to a weary Narnia comes when Father Christmas bears gifts for the Pevensey children. See, Isaiah says at the end of chapter 60, he says, the sun shall be no more your light by day, nor the brightness shall the moon give you light, but the Lord, the Lord will be your everlasting light and your God will be your glory. You see, the promise of Isaiah 60 was for Israel after her long, dark season of exile. But church, it is also for us a promise that even though we feel the darkness now, God will crack open the darkness with his light. And so now finally we arrive at chapter 61. (laughs) Having described the city as it reflects its light which has dawned on him, the prophet now turns his attention to the light itself, the one, the one who is the light. So Isaiah 61, right at verse one, it says, The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and to provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Verse four, they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. I mean, how refreshing does that sound? Right, to the poor and to the brokenhearted, to the captives, to those who mourn, to those whose lives are in ruin, how refreshing is it that there is a light, a light that will crack open the darkness and bring good news, who will bring healing to our hearts and and liberty from sin, which holds our hearts captive, a light that will bring gladness to our grief and will rebuild our worlds that feel like they're in ruin. I mean, what a promise to Israel. Israel would long for the day when the light would dawn. They would look forward to the day when the darkness that they were experiencing would be expelled. They were looking forward to the day when the light would come. It's interesting to me that John begins his gospel this way. John says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God and in him was life and the life, the life was the light of men. And that light, that light shines in the darkness. And the darkness, the darkness has not overcome it. See, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. 
So let me just say, church, it may feel like winter, but Christmas is coming. We aren't surprised, right, when Jesus says in John, he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. It may feel like winter, but Christmas is coming. And in case we're confused, (laughs) Luke captures Jesus being super explicit. Reading from the scroll of Isaiah, Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he's anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then Jesus goes on to say, Today, this scripture, it has been fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, it may feel like winter, but in Christ, Christmas is here. Friends, when we feel shrouded in a night season, when our lives are in ruins, when mourning and grief are the new normal, when we feel the consequences of our sin, of our own self-centered lives, we should cry out, refresh me, Jesus. Bring your light to my darkness. And then, church, we should rest Rest in the work of Jesus, his life and his death and his resurrection, his light overwhelming death, to know that he is bringing us good news, that he's bringing healing to our wounds, freedom from our sins, joy to our grief, and even life to our death. Friends, we have those things now, that good news and that healing and freedom from our sins and joy in our grief and life even from death, and yet... And yet, we're still living it in a not-yet way. There are still dark seasons. There is still grief and still addiction, still wars and rumors of wars. There's still pain and there's still darkness. And church, there will be. There will be until Christ comes again. And so we wait, like Israel, for the completion and the fulfillment of what God has promised. We look forward to a new heaven and a new earth, to the time when Jesus will be the everlasting light forever. John in the book of Revelation says this, they, that is the church, they will see his face His name will be on their foreheads. Listen, and night will be no more. They will need no light or lamp or sun, for God will be their light. (laughs) In other words, never winter, always Christmas. You know, churches, we prepare for the coming of Christ, both as a babe in Bethlehem, also as King and Lord, may we be refreshed in the promise of Jesus, who is the light pushing back 
at our darkness. To Him be the glory now and always. Amen? So may the peace of God which surpasses all human understanding may guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus today and every day. Amen.